mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. episode 35 and we are looking forward to talking about mathematical mindsets by joe bowler um we we, this is not a new book it was published in 2016 but we picked it for several reasons to talk about this week um one is that a couple weeks ago when we had alice aspinall on the podcast she talked about how important this book was to her work um both in her classroom and in the story that she wrote and then also, Ruth, you got this book for uh, for graduation, right? Right. You told me, oh, three or four books that I needed, and I put them on an Amazon wish list, and boom, they arrived. <laughs> Your That's awesome amazing. mother-in-law, yeah. right? <laughs> That's awesome. And I read this book as um, – I think it was – the, probably the very first book I read in in my classes in in this program that I'm in. Oh. It was like one of our textbooks. Um, so that's that's where I read it. I have, you know, done a little bit of like reviewing things, but you've really been diving into it. And it's really like drinking from a water hose because yeah. there's so much good stuff in it. Yeah. And you can't help but think about, oh, I'm going to put this in my classroom. I'm going to do this in my classroom. Mm-hmm. So... So should we try to do like big picture first and then you had marked some things by chapter you wanted to talk about? I, I think so. Can I ask a question first? Yeah. Or two? For sure. Um, so what is the, I'm not going to say the, the age range, but like is this book really targeted at elementary teachers? Is it tar- targeted at secondary? Is it tar- Is there a target? Is it just general enough to be um, for all mathematical mindsets? I think she does a really good job. Of including everyone because there is examples of when she was in a high school class and when she was in a middle school class and when she was in an elementary class Mm -hmm. and there's not specifically well there's specific task in it for where you would use it but man she just really she does a good job of getting everybody included yeah I I totally agree I think I think K through 12 um, I know you had some professors at your college that read it right yeah that's what I was gonna say is the math department um, where I work, I don't, I don't know technically exactly how many people were included on this, but probably in the neighborhood of 10, maybe not quite, but yeah, probably about that. Um, they all chose to read it as like, as a department study, you know, something they did together. And, um, sometimes, and this is not meant to be a critique or, or a criticism, um, higher ed faculty are very are often adverse to reading anything that is not specifically for higher ed. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times, you know, if it has, you know, examples for high school or it says something, the young student or something, they they will avoid it. Yeah. Um, But the, whoever, and I can't remember who it was that had, you know, picked it and spearheaded it to, to do it. But I was, I was impressed that they, you know, chose to pick this book out yeah. Um, and, and use it. Um, I would love to know what they thought about it. Was yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, there are several, there are several members of the math faculty that I know, you know, fairly well. We don't, you know, hang out very often, but. Um, you can only handle two, so many yeah, math teachers. Only, like, so many yeah. mathematicians at one time. <laughs> well, but I, I mean, I, I'll check and see, you know, what they thought 
Um, I have, you know, in, in some casual conversations asked with some of them and, and, and nobody said, oh, that book was terrible. I mean, they, they did like it, but, but the thing is, these are, these mathematicians are not teachers first. They're mathematicians right. first. Yeah. And, and I think you come at things differently when you're a mathematician first and a teacher yeah. second. Well, and a, a point in her, in her court that would help, I think, justify that it is good for higher ed is that she's she is a professor she works at stanford and she works with undergrad students Mm -hmm. and and she talks over and over and over about in my work with undergrad so even a lot of her examples are with working with college students and not undergrad education students yeah but undergrad math students yeah i I think i'm not sure so it's okay so maybe there's both but I know that not all of her students are education majors. Right. Yeah. And she talks about um, – well, maybe this might be not as applicable. But she she has developed a – there's a word, M-O-O-C, MOOC or something like that, or M-O-C-C, Massive Online. No, it's M-O-O-C. Massive Online Massive Open. Massive Open Online Course. Okay. So she's developed that for teachers – um, and so she talks about the adult learner, which is not that different from the college age learner. You know, she talks about like teaching teachers to mm-hmm. to learn about math and, and to learn math. So so big idea. You want me to go, Ruth? A big idea is that, you know, Carol Dweck early in the 2000s was publishing in um, – about the growth mindset, which, you know, if you haven't heard from it, crawl out from under that rock you've been living under. No, just kidding. <laughs> and, and read the book called yeah. Mindset. Yeah. Um, and the idea being that there's a fifth, a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And a fixed mindset says you're born with how smart you are and your your intelligence is kind of like built within you. And then a growth mindset says that you can improve your intelligence with effort and hard work. And so... Joe Bowler, you know, appreciated Carol Dweck's work, but she wanted to apply it specifically to minds to math. And Carol Dweck was like, yeah, that's important because math is probably the subject where mindset has struggled the most. You know, mm-hmm. like people, there's so much math anxiety and people, there's this idea that I'm not a math person and there's such a thing as a math person. And it's uh, genetically handed down or it's hereditary yeah yeah but we just or aren't depends math on your people. gender mm-hmm. yep so so she joe bowler is diving into what does you know science current science research and learning research say about mindset how does your mindset affect what you can learn and then the whole book is about how to i guess structure your class and how to talk about math in a way that will develop growth, a growth mindset. Does that sound like a summary? Got anything to add big picture? I don't think so. I mean, I think you, I think you hit it just, and that's kind of what teaching is about. You take what Carol, you take what someone has said and you do a little bit more with it. And now we as teachers are taking what Joe Bowler has said and putting it into our classroom. Yeah, cool. And Transfer. here we, Yeah. And so we're going to share it with you, and hopefully you're going to take something from it. Mm-hmm. And as Tracy said, maybe you go all the way back to Carol Dweck and you see yeah. Yeah. exactly what you're missing. Yeah. So, All right. So, Ruth, what struck you from Chapter 1? So 
how I probably should have listened a little better in biology or anatomy or because it was just about the brain. Yeah. <laughs> like just way over my head. And I think you, I mean, she does a really good job, but the first of it was proof. Um, she's got graphs, the difference between the fixed mindset and the growth mindset and the research that she did. Um, and she talks later in her book about how that's how you can group kids is by identifying who has a fixed mindset hmm. and a growth mindset and then focusing on the ones with the fixed mindset to change that yeah. so that they can experience success as well. So the, so the idea being, I, I think, I think it can't be stated enough that your mindset, math or whatever, your mindset affects what you can learn. Like that is, that's pretty revolutionary, right? If you go, if a kid or a or an adult or whatever goes into a situation and they think, I can't, I can't learn this. They are not going to learn as much as somebody who goes into this and goes, I can get better at this and they're going to learn it. Um, mm -hmm. Which leads them perfectly into chapter two, which is the power of mistakes yeah. and a struggle. And this is kind of where I started at the beginning of last year without having read Joe Bowler's book, just mm -hmm. like, let's dive right in and, yeah. you know, I don't need the research to know this is right. <laughs> I'm going to try it. And so I did her week of inspirational math. Yeah. Um, Which is a free resource on YouTube. We've talked about it a lot, but mm -hmm. in case you haven't heard of it. And one of the things that stuck, stuck out to me in chapter two was the activity that the I forget what grade. It looks like the kids maybe be fourth or fifth grade. And so the teacher explains what happens when you make a mistake and how a synapse is formed in your brain. And then if you can work with that mistake, those synapses continue to form and your brain actually grows. Mm -hmm. So she had her students ball up a piece of paper after they talked about their fixed mindset mentality, things like, I can't do math or this is my hardest subject. I don't have my mem my multiplication tables memorized yet. Mm -hmm. So you write that on a pa on a piece of paper and you ball it up and you throw it as far as you can in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And then you go find your paper and you uncrinkle it and you turn it over and every line you use a different color marker or whatever design you want and you create a brain because yeah. all of those lines are synapses. Um, and that's how many times your brain can grow if you're willing to think that mistakes are okay. And so it's all about setting up that culture in your classroom where we're going to make mistakes. That's going to help our brain grow. We're going to pay attention to what other people's mistakes are. We're going to pay attention to the way that problems are solved. Um, I, this is this maybe fits in here, but yesterday I'm working with my father-in-law because he's helping me in my kitchen. And so that just means I'm following him around being his go-to girl. <laughs> and he says, um, okay, I have to cut this and it's, let me get this right. I need it to be, I'm not going to get it right. The board was seven and one fourth and he needed it to be Six and seven-eighths? Inches? 
Yeah, can I write this down so yeah. I make sure that I do the math right? That second number was smaller than the first one. <laughs> you can make a board smaller. You can't make it longer. Right, so tell me what I said again. You said seven and a quarter. <laughs> right. And you needed it six and seven eighths. Six and seven eighths. Okay, so I'm just going to do this the way that I did it in my head. And he's like, so what is that math teacher? What is that math teacher? And so in my head, I'm counting up. I'm like, well, I need an eighth and then I need two more eighths. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you have to cut off three eighths. Well, he had said he was going to cut off half inch. And I said, it's three eighths. And my husband is standing on the other side. He didn't really hear it, but he's shaking his head no. To whom? You or Exactly. To whom? <laughs> and so then I'm like, okay, I got to solve this a different way because maybe I made a mistake. Yeah. I got to solve this a different way. And then I said to him, I said, how did you do that? And I can't even repeat what he did. Yeah. But he's like, you're right. I'm sorry that I questioned the math teacher. And I said, I'm not sorry that you questioned the math teacher, but I'm really interested in how you did it. Can you explain it? Uh -huh. And Mike was like, Ruth, just let him cut the ball. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was just, it, it was cool that even, you know, it was totally math in real life. And I was doing it a different way because yeah. of the way that I've yeah. taught this year. That's interesting. Like this, like, Math and, and measurements is that is the way math was used in my house growing up because my dad is an engineer and has design you know works on drawing designs and 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 you know measurements are just ingrained in his head so like these are things that my dad could do before I could finish saying the words like he would know how how much longer that was or how much needed yeah. to cut or if he needed to split it in two or if he needed to split it in seven he knew how long everyone was it's like <sighs> it was just like his brain has just worked that way cuz for you know 40 years he's been working on drawing up you know plans and measuring things and and you know he probably just had been you know something he had done even before that but this is like this is what math looked like in my house this is this was math was yeah. measurement huh. and and you know, how much do you have to add to, or how much do you have to cut off, or, you know, just that, like, when you were saying that, I was thinking, that is, that was math at home hmm. as a little kid. Yeah. So, the thing, as I was kind of rereading it, the thing that is important to remember for me is that you have to teach it. You have to teach growth mindset. It's not going to just come by what you say. You know, it's not like you can just in the moment say, oh, mistakes are important. You have to like specifically focus on that at the beginning of the year and then again throughout the year has to be in all of your language um, because you have to combat what the world is telling them, what TV is telling them, you know. Um, and what they're telling themselves. What parents are telling them. What their what teacher in the room next door exactly, is telling them. Exactly. Like you – you have an ongoing job. Can I give an example? Um, no one said yes. I'm going to take that. No, we're, yes. we're all full of examples. <laughs> there's, a, there's a college professor. He's at, I think, Fresno State, Howie Hua, that I follow on um, Twitter. And he teaches – I'm not really sure who he teaches, but um, undergrad. And he's teaching some kind of – right now some kind of um, – like four week math class in the summer. And his last couple posts have been about what he's doing in his undergrad class to work on mindset. And, and he has like this whole thread of 
like the question that he asked, like something about, um, well, I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to put it on the show notes. But it's cool, like you were saying, so another person taking this and, and put, taking it to the next level. So I would encourage you to look up his, you know, beginning of the class. Even in just a four-week college class, he's working on mindsets. And I, and I think that's really valuable. And I think at the beginning of last year, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this week of inspirational math, but it's going to take away from when I can teach, you know, fill in the blank with any of your objectives. Yeah. There's such a difference in the way my students and just a little, you know, just a little bit of growth mindset. Even this summer have gotten feedback from parents about, hmm. you know, like you kind of change the way they think about math or. Cool. So it's important you know, and like you said, the fact that he's got four weeks and I'm sure he's trying to do a whole entire class. Yeah. But he's going to spend time on that because yeah. in reality, that's the only way they're going to be able to learn all of that material in four weeks exactly. is to have that mindset of I can do this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, chapter three continued kind of it's called the creativity and the beauty in mathematics. But for me on page 27, it gave an example of Nick Fiore who had pine cones and set playing cards and beads and dice and nuts and bolts and asked the students to write their own questions. Hmm. So um, what kind of a question could you create and then answer from any of this stuff? Cool. Because these students have posed a question, um, there's another guy that he references – Conrad Wolfram, Wolfram, who's the director of the Wolfram Alpha, mm -hmm. talks about math being in four stages and be able to create a question as the first stage and then taking it from the real world to the mathematical world, calculating and then going from the model back to the real world to see if the original question was answered. Hmm. So I wrote first day in the margin of my so, book. But, and what we are guilty of is going straight to performing calculation mm -hmm. before they ever even have the question or the need for it, you know? We, we, we do that out of order a lot. Yesterday, we were I, – I was in class last night, and we were talking about combinations and permutations. And um, it was new to a lot of the teachers in there to, like, calculate that and to use a formula to calculate that. And um, – I was. I just wanted to teach Jay t it when I got off a of class because I knew if I could teach it to somebody right away that I'd probably get it. And I struggled to think like, where do I start? I mean, I had just one student, air quotes, you know. <laughs> but like, where do I, where do I start? And once I showed him the formula, he was like, Yeah, I don't need to know why. <laughs> He's like, Yeah, I see it works. Yeah, <laughs> it was funny. So you have to be careful that you like as you you're teaching that you're going in an order that makes them need it and makes them figure it out and and then go back to the calculation. Well, had you not started with like an a physical model or you know a diagram on the paper, mm -hmm. I probably would have had more of a question of why does that that formula work? But you had already we had already like worked it out with, you know, representation of numbers on a sheet of paper right. and this is the formula and then 
we went to combination second and this is why and this and then you're like and see down here this part of the formula like oh, i don't even know why the formulas work the way they do <laughs> yeah you, you demonstrated it and then you showed me the formula yeah um yeah and that was about one of my <laughs> yeah i could tell my brain was stopping you were done okay so oh chapter four that's where my favorite part of the book is yeah i am um, your two is yep. is this the one with the multiplication problem? Like, I think I so. It? But we chapter chapter four, page thirty nine. Um, I like I was intermingling that with the other mindset, not the mindset book, the other fluency math fact math fluency. fluency math. Yes, By and so Jennifer Bay Williams has inspired the teachers at my school the administrators at my school and they have said they're going to create fluency kits for Uh each grade level so that each teacher is given this kit with directions and how to play the games. And they're really focusing on that's what we're going to do instead of time test. That's what we're going to do instead of flashcards at home. Well, I found two games on page 39 Uh that I'm going to have put in my fluency kit as the sixth grade teacher. Um, and I can, we can reference those in the show notes. It's just that I got super excited reading about these and these math cards, these subitizing cards, huh? Somebody's already done them. So on On, you cubed, mm -hmm. you can have these matching cards, which is such a good way to practice. Yeah. So you're, you're looking at, um, like a whole set of cards that instead of just flipping the, like, look at the card and flip it over and see if you got it right, you would lay out all these cards and try to match the different representations. So there's nine times four, four times nine. There's an array. There are four groups of nine. Is that what I'm looking Mm -hmm. at? And then nine groups of four and then also 36. So all these different ways to show it. It, They're cool. I I really like But how would you use that? You'd have a kid... You'd give them the set with with other numbers too, like oh. eight times four. So they can't get it wrong; they're all the yeah. same. Yeah, <laughs> no, you'd, they'd have they'd have five or six different sets like that at once, all mixed up, and then they'd have to work to match them. Gotcha. But you could also play war with those, you know, or the idea that you're seeing it visually mm-hmm. and not just. Right, I understand the different representations of what 36 is, or 9 times 4, whatever you want to call it. But I was trying to figure out how to use them. Mm -hmm. You could play Go Fish. You could take out – well, you wouldn't have to take out any. You could just play it like that and and say something, you know, I I, who has 9 times 4, and you'd have to look and see if any of your representations in your hand were 9 times 4. Yep. Jay's like, yeah, that doesn't sound fun. You could play Old Maid. You throw a a prime number in there somewhere. Yeah. Ooh, good one. Yeah. Cool. Which is back to that, what do they call it? Evergreen games, right? These cards, which Mm -hmm. evergreen games just means games that can be played. This was new to me. Games that can be played the same way. You you play them all the same way all the time, but you just change out the content area. Mm -hmm. You could do any of those games with these cards. Mm -hmm. Yep. Cool. All right. What else about this chapter? So the other thing that stood out to me, she I wrote the word outliers, which means that I read it somewhere, but I didn't highlight it actually <laughs> in the text. But um, on page 43, 
just the whole idea of how we ask a question and how we represent a shape. Um, and it says that 11-year-olds were shown the following figure, which is just three parallel lines, A, B, C. And it says, is A parallel to C? And they're all, instead of being vertical or horizontal, they're all slanted to the right. Right. They're all diagonal lines. And it says that most students answered no because B is in the way. Because every time when you ask a kid, are lines parallel? It's always with two lines. And they're either parallel or they're intersecting. Mm -hmm. And then we just move on like, okay, you understand that word. But that means they don't have the knowledge to apply it to something else. And then there's a very irregular hexagon Mm -hmm. at the bottom of the page. And students couldn't name it. Which goes back to when I was talking about with Brooks. I mean, give the kid a break, right? He's going into second grade. Yeah. But the hexagon... He understood when he saw the typical hexagon that he had seen. But when you change the lines and just connect it and give it six sides, he couldn't he couldn't identify it. And so it just made me think about how easy it would be to just change the way you draw it or Mm -hmm. the the way that you ask the question. Yeah. This is not really the same, but it makes me think about when we had Van on um, many episodes ago, and we talked about the way that you represent things in expressions, and like using the dot as a multiplication sign, or using parentheses up beside a number. You know, you I, I wished I'd done that all throughout the year, and I didn't because I we got to the this is not the reason that you should do it, but we got to the test, and and they had some of the other to the end of the year test and they had some of those other representations on there. And I was like, oh, I didn't do it enough. I didn't do it enough. Um, it's it's important to how they see it matters, you know, and stretches their thinking. That's not a very good example, but it's what But it also, we talked about how that um, went back to that whole activity we did last summer when we did the book club and we did Tracy Zager's book and she had all of those triangles. And yeah. we asked Trip. Which one is a triangle? Yeah. And he didn't really, he couldn't define a triangle. And there were lots of triangles on there he didn't identify because they weren't an equilateral. Right. Pointing up triangle. like <laughs> Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it, I don't know. It was just kind of like, that's it's important. Reminder yeah. for teachers. Um, there was also a lot of homework well, not a lot, but in this chapter, she has homework, refle- math homework reflection questions. And so it's not go home and practice what you learned, but go home and write about what you learned. Mm-hmm. Um, and what strategy did you like from number sense and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I feel like this book is going to sit on my desk like Tracy Zager's yeah. book with all of the post-it notes hanging outside of it. Yeah. Um, that's the only bad thing about reading so many books this summer is I'm going to be like, which one of those books yeah. do I need at this moment? You can call me and I'll, I'll direct you. Okay. Not that I'll n- Next time we'll work on uh, taking notes on the books you're going to use right. in yeah. class. And- yeah. Oh, there's show notes. I'll just go there. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Um, which we should mention because more than one person has messaged us and like, you keep talking about show notes. Where are the show notes? So, our, yeah. Jay, why don't you do that? Our show notes are located at mathbeforebreakfast.com. Um, 
if you go to that website, the top will be the most recent episode, and you can scroll down to find coming soon will be an episode list or an index or something like that. Um, so you don't have to just keep scrolling. We realized uh, this week, I guess I knew this, but it didn't really hit me this week, I guess because now we have a lot more episodes yeah. than the next seven. Um, you, now you have to kind of go to the bottom of each page and click older episodes and keep going back and back. Um, and you're welcome to find it that way, but I, I will be putting up an episode list or episode index that'll just be, you know, one page that's a, a link to each episode to go back to it. Um, but they are all there on the website. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's so many good resources. And there. while you're there, you could leave a comment because leaving a comment on the website is what gets us. Is, or no, you want to, you want them to leave a comment on they can leave Apple? comments in both places. But iTunes, if you leave comments, oh, if you iTunes. leave a comment or, or rank it, or not rank it, rate it in iTunes, it makes it more discoverable. It shows up in more searches or shows up in other places more often when people are looking for podcasts in iTunes. So the more comments we have, the more ratings we have, I guess it shows more engagement. So it yeah. pushes it up in searches and isn't it since we were made the last one that we also now have a facebook page isn't that new since our that last is new since our yeah last. thanks jay for making us a hey, facebook page so follow us on facebook too so for those of you who are thinking but i don't do twitter yeah <laughs> I, I don't either i feel you guys <laughs> but now we're now we're, we have another place to kind of let you know when we got some new stuff yeah, going. Yeah, so follow us there. Okay. So, wait. This is really the chapter where my favorite chapter part five, of the book. Yes. Yeah. We're so, on. Go, girl. Um, so, this – where she talks – I'm not going to get all the details right ahead of time. I'm sorry. But she talks about um, using the problem 18 times 5 to kind of prove – to all kinds of different people that we think differently about numbers. And math is awesome in that way that there's so many different ways to think about things. So she has used that problem in, you know, with legislators and CEOs and all kinds of people, students. And she um, just walks you through visually, but super simple, all the different ways or a lot of the different ways that she's heard people solve 18 times 5. But I just love the representation. She does area models of each one of those super simply. And um, I just love it. And when I was leading the very first introduction to number talks at my school, like when it was a brand new thing and I wanted teachers to just get the first taste of it, we started with this problem. I, I was just like, okay, we're learning about number talks. Let's do a number talk. Of course, that makes sense. And so we did it. And I you like I had studied and studied and studied this little page because honestly, this is most of the ways that it's going to end. People are going to end up saying it. And so then I used these representations for the teachers. And um, I remember when you were doing this as yeah, homework. Yeah. And you were like, how would you do it? Ask me and I would tell you and you would like draw it into a little rectangle. I'm like, what in the world? Yeah, I was practicing. Thanks, Jay, for letting me practice on you. <laughs> um, but it's – I just love the visual representations of those problems. And it really and that's a really ready. important part of number talks. Yeah. Because you are listening to the student and you can't illustrate what they're saying unless you're really tuned in. Yeah. So you're listening to what the student says and then you're taking their their words and you're – making it a viable way to solve it, hopefully in a classroom where other students are like, no way. Mm -hmm. um, and 
I can't help but think about you and I's conversations with Trip and Adelie where we're listening to them, but we kind of have a preconceived way of what we think they should be <laughs> right. saying. And so we're ready to take it to the next step. And we're not really listening. Yeah. And when you do 18 times five, as a math teacher, you have a way that you have solved it. And that's, you can get yourself really stuck because someone is not using your way at all. Yeah. And you find yourself like, ooh, I didn't really listen to you. And you did not say what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. So if you try to get and say it this way. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe there's, maybe there's um, merit in listening without writing anything down and then going back and, and trying to represent it, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know. I don't know. It's just important to listen. I think that's what my takeaway yeah. was. And listen. It's okay. I remember, I don't even remember the problem, but I remember a student trying so hard to explain to me how he was solving this problem. And I, I just couldn't get it. And I said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. It was dividing fractions. So that's kind of hard to illustrate as it is. And sure. he just had some bizarre way. And I said, can we just table this? And I'm writing down and I've pushed voice memo on my phone and I recorded what he said. And I said, when you go to lunch, I'm going to listen to it again. And doggone it. If he was not spot on, I just could not wrap my head around it. And so I went to the math, my math teacher friends was like, listen to this and see if you can figure out what he's saying. I had the same thing happen. There was a guy in my class this past year who always subtracted. He like refused to use any of the algorithms and subtracted in such a weird way. And he would start explaining it in the class and not only is the class lost, but I'm lost. And like, we just get hit in that wall over and over and over. And I was like, I'm going to have to understand what you're doing because he was getting them right too, you know, but mm-hmm. his, his thinking wants to make any sense. And so I, um, he stayed in like it during art or something one time and explained it to me and it, it, it worked. Um, but I like the voice memo idea. That's a great idea when, if you don't have time to like pull the back. Right. Later. Just say, you're going to say it one more time and I'm going to record it and yeah. then we're going to move on. That's cool. I think sometimes watching somebody can be a distraction. Hmm. And not watching them, whether, you know, they're, you can see on their face that they're struggling to explain something or or something and you're just listening and not watching them while they're, while you're listening. Hmm. You can take away some distraction and, and some yeah. something that you're focusing on that you don't need to be focusing on to yeah. find out what they're doing. That's true. So the rest of chapter five is just really good open task. Yeah. Um, man, I would just encourage you to read this book. I wish that we could, you know, sit here and read it to you and <laughs> have you digest everything that's in it. But I don't think we have that kind of time. Right. On this podcast. In our show notes, we should put those links on page 91 where you can access those tasks if not for our listeners, for me, so that when <laughs> <laughs> So for the Ruth notes. Exactly. Um, I didn't get to look at all of them. I just think that a place where, yes, you can get these tasks yeah. is a good place to start. And we've talked about a lot of them, but we haven't talked about all of them. Right. So. All right. So here's your word, Equity. My word. Yeah, you're the one who taught me that word. <laughs> so equity to me so means So what'd you read about it, Ruth? Because I I haven't read I haven't um 
just that it's really important and that equity, everybody has to be given the opportunity Mm -hmm. to succeed. And I'm pretty sure that this is the chapter where she gave examples of school systems that stopped tracking. Yeah. And it's one of those like really big picture. That's not something you can do in your classroom. Stop tracking. Right. Right. But me having read this or skimmed this, I should say, (laughs) I feel like I have a resource that I could go back to so that I can have this conversation because she, and this is a, this is a real thing, but students have to have four years of high school math in order to graduate. And I think that's, I don't know if that's state, I'm just going to say that that's a That's a rule. Okay. Okay. So some students can take Algebra 1 in eighth grade, and that counts as one of your years. Okay. Okay. So then you have three more maths that are required. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, some kids take three maths and don't take a math their senior year. Right. But some kids take a college math or an AP class or dual enrollment their senior year. Yeah. And they head into college a little bit ahead. Okay. So the students who don't take Algebra 1 in eighth grade have lost access to being able to take that college class their senior year because they have to take the required classes. Um, And so when you decide in fifth grade or in sixth grade or sometimes in the book that she said as early as second and third grade. Yeah, yeah what path they're on, they're just always behind the eight ball. Yeah. And so in the example that she gave, students were, everybody was put in the highest class. There was no tracking. And there was an option to take an additional class that would provide you support for what you were learning in that class. Yeah. And she talked about the importance of that being optional, not requiring someone to take that extra support class. Mm -hmm. But here's your goal. Everybody's going to take this class, and this is the highest level. And if you want this extra support, then it's here for you. Right. Um, That's not something a classroom teacher can do. That's something that the administration has to do. But there's – it just makes sense. Yeah. You know? So I have two comments. One is that I'm excited about the what NCTM has put out about um, catalyzing change for high school mathematics, right? I feel like the the powers that be there have heard it and are like really trying to make a, a plan, like set out, this is what we should go for. And this is how we need a huge change with the, it, it, Incorpor- you know, incorporates these ideas. So what was really encouraging to me at my last VCTM meeting, the Virginia Council Teachers of Mathematics, is that there was someone there from the state, um, Tina, forget her last name, starts with an M, um, who, you know, the at the state level, our people in the Board of Education have um, read that book. They did like a big book study and they are like, okay, how, how, how's this going to look? Like our state is really not that they have any concrete ideas yet, but they are tackling it, you know, like 
So I feel like it it really can be coming, you know? So it's, you're saying people in the education department are just sitting around their heads in the sand? What do you mean? No, I'm, I'm not saying that. I know, that's what I'm saying, because I, I am trying to reinforce the fact that they're trying, that they're listening and trying yeah. to think about something, because way too often... It seems it seems like to teachers who don't know what all goes on in in that body of of, of people. Yeah, it seems like they have no context, or, or it's just a common. I'm going to say we think that, but it's a common thought, erroneous as it may be, that right. they don't know anything about really education. Mm-hmm. They're not really thinking about anything. They're just doing it this way because you know that's what some lawmakers said needs yeah. to be done. No, so. they're they're really thinking about it, and and you know as much as I'm like. Hurry up. Let's don't, we know this is right. Let's make the change. When she was talking, I was like, "Oh, I get it. They can't make a a system-wide change immediately. You know, they they have to think through all the different parts. They have to think through what that means for kids getting into college. They have to think how that changes what parents are going to think. You have to think about how that changes what skills teachers are going to need when you stop detracking teachers, you know, when when to the be- the very best air quotes most experienced teachers are teaching the high math and then they detract teachers and say everybody's teaching everything, you know. Like there are so many parts. You can't just push a button and we're untracked, you know. Um, Those are called unintended consequences. Yes. And when you are in administration or you are in leadership, you have to figure all of those out before you make that decision. And and I respect that instead of just like pushing the buttons. And that is why. We're not there. We are not in leadership. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I still have to make those decisions in my classroom, too, and think about unintended consequences. I do remember the other thing I was going to say is that you were saying, yeah, we are not in charge of this, but we are in charge of what it looks like in our classroom. Mm -hmm. And if you – this goes back to the um, visibly random grouping for me. If you are always grouping in your class by ability, you're tracking in your own classroom. You know, and you're sending a message that these people are worth it and these people, you know, aren't. That's why I think, you know, everybody working on basically the same task is important. Grant of grouping is important. Um, That's a way to just in your own class combat that. And when you're saying they're working on the same task, it can't just be a problem with an answer. It has to be a task. It has to be those low floor, high ceiling tasks where those mm-hmm. kids can keep going. Yeah. Um, With different levels of support and different levels of challenge. Right. As they need them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? And just so often when <clears throat> when students show that they have, you know, they have the knack for something and they, have, they understand the concept and they are considered, you know, accelerated or gifted, the answer is, well, they should go to the next grade. Mm-hmm. Instead of, well, they should get to know this better. Yeah. Yeah. But, and so much of that has to do with teachers not knowing. Yeah. Teachers not knowing the next math. And teachers not knowing, you know, how to how to manage it, how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And teachers thinking that because you're really good at your math facts and you're, you compute quickly, you're really smart. And those have for so long just gone together when in reality, it's not about how fast you are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a journey. So, 
Okay, so now my... they're done with their math philosophy class. Right. Mm-hmm. Educational philosophy. That's what the whole book is about, though. <laughs> my takeaway from chapter eight is that I need to watch these two movies. What Have you they? seen this movie, Race to Nowhere? Nope. Oh. So, Race to Nowhere and Beyond Measure is its sequel. And I don't know where I'm going to find them, but I'm going to find them and watch them. What Race to Nowhere on? is a documentary film highlighting the stress that students are placed under in U.S. schools. And it just says that um, this young girl has always done well in school, and one day she received an F on her on a math test, and tragically she committed suicide. Wow. Is a true story? Um, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. Um, but anyway, then there's a sequel to it and yeah, that was my takeaway from, it was the assessment for a growth mindset. Oh, this is actually, that's not my only takeaway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, she talks about students, self-awareness and responsibility for knowing what they're learning mm-hmm. um, and being able to tell you the math that they're using. It's kind of like the number talks thing and the student who was explaining it and I couldn't understand it. So then when I was able, when I figured it out, was able to go back to him, I was able to give him the vocabulary he needed so that he could explain it in a way that other people could understand it. Okay. Um, and so there, she gives you a couple different ways for students to do a self-assessment and the whole little exit ticket, happy face kind of thing where you just say, yes, I've got it, or I'm still struggling and learning, or I need some more examples. And so you as a teacher are allowing the student to say where they're getting it. She referenced the traffic light Uh where kids can flip their card to say green as I have it and yellow means slow down. So you're not necessarily raising your hand, but you are telling the teacher where you are during the conversation, um, which to me was like, I don't know that my students would do that, but if I've established that this is a place of learning and this is a place where we're going to make mistakes and this is a place where we're going to do self-reflection and we start out the year like that, then I feel like the kids would be okay saying, mm-hmm. slow down or, you know. Can I tell you a pet peeve of mine? Mm-hmm. When, and I'm kind of asking for advice here. When I would start to teach something new or start to like maybe even have a kid teaching it like if we're if we're working on something new and this kid over here explains something that's kind of like outside everybody else's reach thinking of this one particular student that this is just whole group conversation at the rug every single time was like wait I don't get it like immediately before the sentence finished leaving the person's mouth and I eventually, like, jumped on the kid because... I hope you mean figuratively. Uh, sure. <laughs> okay. Yes. But it's like, she. this is way back. It's kind of related because he was, like, 
putting on red from the first freaking sentence that would come out of anybody's mouth. And it, he, he, you know, needed some encouragement. Way back in the beginning, they talked about this Piaget, right? About equilibrium and disequilibrium. And as soon as you're in that, you're in that disequilibrium, as soon as some like new piece of information is, is given to you and it hasn't attached itself and you're not, haven't understood it yet, the slightest bit of disequilibrium. And he's just like, arms up in the air I, I can't I don't get this so what do you do okay so that happens a lot like as soon as you said well as soon as you started I knew where you were gonna go yeah. because it really frustrates me too. yeah Can but you, I, I, I got to a point where I was like you know what that is the most exciting thing about math because right now you don't get it and that means that I have the opportunity to teach you something and you have the opportunity to learn. Mm -hmm. And I just totally made up something that I told them all the time. It's <laughs> like, you are not allowed to verbally say, I don't get it. Because the reason you're saying it is your brain is telling you that. And now it's coming out of your mouth and it's going into your ears and it's going back into your brain and your brain is like, see, I told you. Oh, no, a feedback And you've loop. confirmed it. <laughs> so I, like I can't that. get this feedback loop. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and so scientifically, that is true. <laughs> if you are not allowed to say it. And they're middle schoolers. They totally believed me, uh, which there has to be some truth into that. Like, let your brain think it. But don't say it out loud because not only is it going into your ears, but it's going into the ears of all of your classmates, too. Oh, well, if he doesn't get it, then I'll never be able to get it. Well, I don't really need to know this if it's too hard for him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I just got excited every time someone said that. Okay. That's like a, That's a flip in my head. That That is the best thing because I am so excited to teach you something. Mm -hmm. And you know what? We're going to learn things a whole lot harder than this. Yeah. Buckle up. <laughs> yeah. So you pay attention to how hard, how long it takes you to get this. And then you see if the next thing we learn is even harder because mm -hmm. you're going to only learn. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was going to say, have them think about like, kind of like you said, not, not to verbalize it right away, but almost to enforce a thinking time before they can say, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, because not, not only... You know, they're saying something right away. And so they have stopped listening. Right. Because they are already saying, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, they are affecting other students, but they haven't, they don't get it because they haven't really thought about it yet. Right. And well, you there's know, your Carol Dweck. There's going to be plenty mm -hmm. of things you don't get. That's, that's not a problem. But deciding before you've actually put in just a, a little bit of time to think about it. Um, to let your brain, I don't know if it reaches equilibrium or just let everything, all the new stuff settle for just a second to think about it. And then they can, you know, either come to you or, or do right. something with, with the, I don't get it, but you've, you've got to let it sit and, and think about it for a little while. I'm thinking about that kid and, and thinking I, I could have taught this, right? I could have talked about equilibrium and disequilibrium and, and named it, you know? I like the feedback loop idea. Um, but also, like, instead of just getting mad at him, I could have, if I had that language, I could have been like, this is what happens. You're in equilibrium, and all of a sudden somebody says a sentence, and then your brain goes in disequilibrium. Some of your classmates do this, and they just wait, and they keep listening, and then so, <laughs> this is what you're doing. You're, like, putting on the brakes right away. Yeah. 
That's good. Is this the right time to talk about us as learners? Like us? Yes. Uh, because, okay, I have an example. Okay. Um, uh, this week, I was at my friend's house, <laughs> and she lives down the country, and on the way to her house, I uh, my gas light went on, and she's like five miles from the nearest highway, and <laughs> I'm looking at a side eye and Jay over here, um, and so I get to her house, and on the way out, I'm like, Look, I gotta go to the gas. What's where's the closest gas station? And this was like uh, 10 o'clock at night. Where's the closest gas station? And so they start talking, and they're like, "Well, did you come this way? Did you come this way?" And you guys, Meanwhile, Tracy has no idea how she got there. You guys probably know this about me, but I don't attend to road names or directions or any of that. And so finally like she really breaks it down and she's like this and then you're going to do this and this and this and that's going to get you to the place and I'm like oh, I'm so bad at directions hold on and so I get my phone out and I open the notes and I literally type like her three steps that she's told me <laughs> and I leave thinking and well and she responds really you're bad at directions like you're so mathematical I thought that that would be easy for you and I'm like no it's not I'm terrible at it and I leave and I'm driving and I actually do have to open the directions and look at them one more time while, while I'm driving, maybe twice. Um, but I'm like, I don't have to do that, right? I could change my mindset about my ability to learn directions. And so this is really corny. Because so far twice you've said, I'm not these words, but I'm not good with directions. Oh. Yeah. I don't. I don't really get through. I'm not good with learning directions. I have. I have said that to myself over and over okay, and over you know in my what life. I'm thinking? What? My mom wasn't good with directions, and she gave that ability to me, and I'm not good. <laughs> but, but that's a fixed mindset, right? Mm -hmm. We we're stuck thinking that. And my husband feeds it when he says, "You've lived in the same town yeah. for how many years, and you can't get here." Yeah. And it's not even that I can't get there. It's just that I cannot say, oh, this is definitely the fastest way there. Yeah. Yeah. I still turn on my GPS a lot of places right here in Lynchburg. So here's what I did about it because I was thinking about growth mindset um, and like kind of giving myself a hard time because why do you say that? It's the same thing. I'm not good at math. I'm not good at directions. That's the same statement, just about a different content area, you know, and there's no nothing in my head that makes me, there just can't be something that makes me not able to do that. So this is my first step, y'all. <laughs> I was driving and I'm like, okay, I think the first step is going to have to know the names of all the roads because I don't know the names of any roads. Do you know road names? Um, What road names? Any road names. I don't, I know what road uh. I live on. Uh, I know what road you live on. Well, that's two. Yeah, but I don't know the names of anything. But you don't know the names of the road. I know road names. Like, okay. to get to your house, I go Riverside. Riverside Terrace to Mormons okay, or to Hill yeah. Street to Mormons. Yeah. Okay. Well, that. Yeah. That's actually. Mormons is do, closed now. Don't try to go through there. Only from certain hours, six thirty to three thirty. Oh. So we got to be done so I can get back that way because I don't know how to go. I mean, I might have to go a different way. No, you're gonna around. have to go down Lakeside. Okay. Look, I knew, I knew one, but on the way home, I was like, okay, memorize the road names, get where you are, and figure out what road you're on right now. And so then I was just like saying it over and over in my head, like, okay, you're on five hundred one North, five hundred one North, and then so now I do know the roads from like the expressway back to my house. Well, that's the worst example in Lynchburg to you. <laughs> Why? Because, because five one north, north and twenty nine south go the same way. I know, but I but I real I figured out that five hundred one north was the better. Isn't that weird? 
That is well, so weird. When you look at a map, it they both go sideways, and yeah. one just continues up, one continues. But down. I, but I was like, which one of these is probably what you're going to call it? I think I would have called it if I went yeah. north. What I was on. So anyway, I'm going to work on it. You're here, right here. <laughs> I'm going to become not terrible at directions. You anymore. got it here first. Yeah. Okay. So let's put that as a challenge out there. Like, what's the thing that you tell yourself you can't do, and and realize that your kids feel that way. You know, like I can relate to them now. Maybe with I mean, there are plenty of things I could relate with, but this is a way that I can make it personal for them. Huh. Okay. What? Are we all giving examples, or is just yeah? Your let's hear time? yours. You got one. My thing is, and I don't know if it's exactly the same, but I am a slow reader. And I have always just decided that I'm not going to read stuff um, because I'm a slow reader and it takes too long and I get frustrated. And I don't, th- it's not the same as saying I'm not good at reading, but I think I have avoided reading things or just decided not to or, or given up in some, in some places because I know I'm a slow reader. Um, and so I have, you know, not recently terrible too actively tried to fix that, but I did decide to just buckle down and start reading more books for fun. Yeah. Um, and I think that was another thing, you know, after years and years of, of school and having to read, I just decided I didn't have to read anymore. So it wasn't, <laughs> um, but I have, I have little bits picked up and started and started reading more and just forcing myself. I had a, a friend of ours or a friend of mine that I used to work with. She's a librarian and I, I, she commented, she saw me one day, I had, I think it was an Agatha Christie, Agatha Christie novel. Yeah. And she was like, so something about reading that, which, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a crazy, it wasn't a long book. Yeah. I just, you know, I said something about, well, you know, I'm not a very fast reader and I decided the only way to get any better is to do it. Yeah. And she was so proud of me. Yay. I was like, oh, I wasn't even trying to like show off for anybody. <laughs> How about Ruth? You got a you got a personal example? Oh, girl, I just jumped right onto your okay directions. Yeah. So, all right, you got any last thoughts about? I have no idea what time we started. Yeah. How we doing? We're so, good. where there's chapter nine is the last chapter. It's called teaching mathematics for a growth mindset, and she just gives you really good examples. If this is your first time thinking about how to teach for. A growth mindset. And mm-hmm. one of the examples she had was a student who is adding fractions and she did like one fourth plus one third. And you have the kid who says two sevenths. Mm-hmm. And as a teacher, sometimes you're just like, no, we don't add denominators. We don't add denominators. But if you change the way you talk to that student and you say, oh, I see what you did there. You're taking what you know about whole numbers and you're applying it to fractions. Mm -hmm. But what you forgot is that these fractions represent one number. And so we have to add them as one number and not two numbers. Yeah. And then you use that as a time to reteach. But you've valued them as a person and helped them see that they're not just wrong. Mm -hmm. They've applied it to they've they've used the wrong skill and they need to have another skill in their toolbox or something like that. I mean, it's a it's just being a good teacher. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to know how to go from there. I will never forget this and I still haven't figured it out, but I was teaching first grade 
I don't know, my first or second year of teacher of teaching and we're doing calendar time and it's like every day we counted money. Okay. And so we're identifying coins and I remember holding a nickel in my hand and asking who knows what this is, who can tell me something about this. And Jasmine, I can still see this. She just says, a leg. What? Exactly. (laughs) Every time I read something like this, I still go back to that example and try to think about what I could have said to her other than, what? (laughs) Dude, how did she respond? That that's all I have. Like yeah. that's all I remember about the story because she just completely <laughs> silenced me. <laughs> we just like <laughs> oh, that's funny. Anything. I I just a leg. I don't, she just a leg. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> We're what, sorry, Jasmine. Yeah. Really yeah. What do you think it is? And then, you know, She's in first grade, right? So she didn't come to me. But later on, she we were in a child study. And I'm like, wait, I have something that I can add to this child study meeting. She thinks nickels are legs. Just, so, so what would you say now, now that you have a growth mindset and, I mean, after you laughed, <laughs> unfortunately. I would have still, I would still say, what? So, I don't know. Maybe you're looking at the head of this president on here and you're thinking about body parts, but we're not talking about the picture that's on it. We're talking about what it's actually called. The only thing I could think, did you hold it in your hand? Yes. Perhaps we're like, maybe if you were pointing to the only thing I think of, if you're pointing down with your hand, like maybe she wasn't looking at what was in your hand, but that you, you were, were pointing, pointing somebody's to leg. somebody's leg. Oh. Maybe. I would have said, tell me some more about that. Like, what is this right here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me more about that. That is great. And that's kind of what you get from years of experience. Right. Right. It's and also just laughing at what her. you get from watching other teachers and surrounding yourself with teachers who are, are quality instead of, I don't know. I just think there's merit in having mentors and yeah sharing stories like that because it's going to happen. Yeah. Maybe not that exactly. I don't know. I, as many times as I've thought about that story, I've never thought that perhaps it was me pointing Pointing to to it. It's just just, like, that is really funny. It's a leg. I think that needs to be our title, JJ. (laughs) Something about that. It's a a leg. What do you call this nickel? (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, I am I am inspired. Did you have anything else from that no, chapter? Just because there's like I don't even know how to estimate how many pages are left of this book. And they're just appendixes of different tasks and things that you can use yeah. in your classroom. Yeah. So this is not just a book that you read, but it's a book that you're gonna go back to and mm-hmm. find exit tickets and self assessments and mm-hmm. peer assessments. And, and this book could also be useful for – so I, I see this as a great book to do as a book study. The chapters are not very long. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and just a little chunk at a time, I think this would be an awesome. I've heard of lots of schools using this as a book study, but then the tasks in here can also be great for teachers to do together. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a great resource for that because they are a lot of tasks that just can span lots of different grade levels, including adults. Um, It's such a good book. I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah. And if you, you know, I feel like it's one of those books that math teachers need to read to kind of understand where the whole trajectory of math is going. You know, this is like a, you got to get the background Mm -hmm. and then lots of other things are kind of built on this book and the ideas in here. All right. Did we already, do you have a takeaway? I think we took away earlier. Okay. I'm getting better at directions and I'm going to change my language about it. That's my takeaway. I'm going to read. He says with a maybe face. (laughs) You didn't see that face, but it was kind of like this. Eh, maybe. Yeah. I'm going to use tell me more about that. Okay. Yeah. I like that. All right. So I'll see you Monday on a run. Right, Ruth? Um, No. Oh, no. You're going to the beach. I'm going to the beach. I'll I'll have to. Yes, you no, you said no. it right oh, here. No, I won't. No, we can so edit out the end of that. <laughs> Just I will. That was even a little bit of excitement. Yeah, we did. We did up our walking. Look at Jay having a growth mindset about our walking this week. We we upped our distance. Awesome. Yeah. So next week I will call in from. So you go ahead and find someone to have math before breakfast. Okay. Or at lunch or dinner or yeah. (laughs) Whatever time. Whatever. Math at some point during the day. Yeah. Awesome. All right. See ya. Have a fun trip.